Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Punt Return, week two of the Punt Return. And in case you missed it last week, this is a new look show this season. You got myself, James and Nick. Uh, James, how are you going? Good, good, Josh. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Going well after an exciting first week. Nick, how are we doing? Yeah, good, mate. It's been a long week since since the season openers. I've been waiting for week two. Yeah, week two is always a tricky one, and we'll get to it a little bit later on, but there's always like the massive overreaction to week one. And then also, like because you're a little bit worried, sometimes you underreact uh, to week one. Maybe you know they are who we thought they were, or they aren't who we thought they were as well. Um, before we get started as well, I just want to mention... Um, to subscribe to the Stats Insider podcast feed. Um, that's where you'll get this show most weeks. I'll try and put it on our feed if you're a Root & Wire subscriber as well, but we want more of the traffic headed to Stats Insider um, and their podcast feed because this is a Stats Insider podcast. I'm just uh, hosting and, and talking NFL with my mates here, so um, it's it's part of it. And we want your feedback as well, iTunes review. So head to Stats Insider um, the podcast and leave a review and, and let us know. We want some feedback, some honest feedback. Is there some things we can do better or um, maybe we do stuff too well and you just want to tell us to tone it down a little bit, then we can that, go. That's really what we want to hear. We want to hear that we're doing everything too well. So yeah, exactly. Let us know. Jump on Twitter, tell us we're doing too well. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's get into uh, week two, uh, well, the results from week one. Obviously, our lock of the week, um, a massive, massive letdown for us, the Denver Broncos. By the way, at the time, though, they were outsiders when we picked them. Um, and then the entire Antonio Brown saga took place. And, um, you know, we run a tight ship here. So talking AB could take 45 minutes, but, um, that's kind of turned sour a little bit. So we'll wait and see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, the Denver Broncos were, were a massive letdown for us, Nick. Massive letdown. It was probably the most devastating part of, of week one. I just, I, pre-game, I could not see a way that the Broncos lost that game. I could not see it happening yep. no matter what happened. And, uh, and then it happened. Yeah, um, uh, that's, that's as simply as I could put it. It 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 happened exactly. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk long shots now. Last week, so we had a couple of long shots. Uh, myself, I mentioned Mark Ingram, hundred plus rushing yards and a touchdown. That happened, so that was a win. That paid seven or eight dollars, depending where you got that and shopped that around. And then Nick also Carson Wentz I looked a little bit in trouble there. The Philly win aspects of that, but the double with the passing yards there and the win. Um, and then Eckler, not quite the rushing yards, but we did, I did touch on maybe the total yards would be the play. So hopefully they took that advice and, and, and doubled down on that. Yeah. The, uh, the Philly bet was a little shaky. Uh, watching that at, at 3 a.m. Monday morning was, uh, not the highlight of my week. Um, but the second half was good. I was really happy with the way that, uh, that the Eagles performed. The second half came out really strong and, and really put the, the Redskins to the sword and, and uh, kind of made up for a, a pretty poor first half. Yeah, exactly. And the long shot as well was uh, James. He, he mentioned $8 about Philly for the number one seed. Still confident in that, James? Um, well, in terms of how good Dallas looked and New Orleans looked and the Rams looked, maybe not so much, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Might be moving away from that, actually. Okay, well, that's all right. Well, the good thing about it is that other prices will, will come and go. So we'll, yeah. uh, we'll get yeah. into that. And that's sort of playing the futures. It means you could, you could end up having four or five teams at a, at a nice little that's percentage. Right. So, um, yeah. it's all about staking and getting the way, uh, the best bets and the model results. Um, the model was pretty quiet, uh, last week. So there weren't too many plays and it was early on. So, um, we'll speak to Daz a little bit about how that finished up. Cause obviously up until kickoff is when, when the model keeps updating with plays, but, um, Baltimore was something we tipped up Buffalo plus three and the under there, uh, Tennessee, we all really liked there at the plus five and a half. They won that game outright. 
Um, James really liked the Colts plus six and a half. Um, that overtime win kind of helped because they don't kick the extra point there. So that covered. Um, and then under 43, James liked as well in Denver and Oakland. So there was some, some good tips there. I got one up over Nick on the under in the, uh, Falcons and Vikings game. He, he liked the over. Um, well, we didn't see Kirk Cousins throwing the ball 10 times, um, in that coming. So <laughs> that kind of helped in my favor, but let's talk, um, just some big, biggest takeaways from week one. Nick, start us off. What's your, what's your number one talking point or question from week one? Oh, look, there, there were a few. There were a few kind of big surprises. There were some, some big injuries, some outs, some ins that, that were really, uh, intriguing or, or impressive. But, um, the big one for me was, was Lamar Jackson. Um, we all talked about the fact that we thought he'd be good. Yep. And when we thought that he could be really good, but I'm not sure any of us saw, saw that coming. Um, I did. I glorified my, running back as my, far as uh, as far as most most pundits have been concerned. My bold prediction was he received an MVP vote this season. So you know, yeah, very it, bold prediction. And like I said, we we thought that we thought that he'd be good, but I I didn't see him. You know, one hundred and fifty eight point uh, three passer rating, perfect passer rating. You're right. No one really saw that that coming at all. No, no, he was he was very impressive. Really intrigued to see if he can keep that sort of form up. I, I imagine that he he doesn't throw five touchdowns every week, but uh, you know, you never know. Yeah, and the good thing about starting that way is defenses are now aware, so it just makes his running game more dangerous because they know he can throw the ball and throw the ball deep with accuracy and, and touch, which is what he displayed. Even though it was against Miami, he, he ended up getting Minka Fitzpatrick benched, who's a first-round pick. So it's not like he's you know picking on some scrub. He was taking on an, an elite player and an elite prospect um, in the NFL there. Uh, James, yeah, what was... And, sorry. I think also he's... Sorry, mate. He's, he's got um, a really exciting tool to throw to deep as well, um, which which is exciting for him. Yeah, well, that's written here in our notes, like Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. We also had the other Brown doing well, AJ Brown. A lot of yeah. a lot of rookie pass catches did very, very well across the NFL, James. Yeah, definitely. Um, and DJ Metcalf at Seattle as well is really good, and Hawkinson as well at Detroit at tight end. Yep. At tight end. I'm also really interested in this sort of pitch battle in the analytics community regarding the efficiency of running the ball. Um, which has been fought and fought and fought for the last couple of years. But I'm, I'm just want to keep my eye on Baltimore and Indianapolis and Minnesota. They're running really heavily. It's something they're prioritizing this season. And they're doing it in, in a different kind of non-traditional manner, you know, with Lamar Jackson in the shotgun, the handoffs to Ingram. You know, Minnesota going really hard now that Dalvin Cook's back in the system. As you said, Kirk Cousins only threw the ball 10 times. Yep. Indy went really heavy with Marlon Mack as well because of like not being there. I, I, I'm just, it's one of the most fascinating aspects of this season for me, this kind of reimagining of the running game. Yep. Um, in, in, in the face of sort of a, the, uh, the hardcore analytic community really turning their nose up against running the ball. So mm. I, I just find that whole angle really fascinating. It is, I'm sort of, I'm in the middle. It is a fascinating, yeah, it is a fascinating thing. Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle as well. Like, I do firmly believe that running backs don't matter because you can do it with anyone. Um, but I still think running the football is important. But, um, I, my, my biggest issue and, and I'll, and I'll transition from that point into my biggest takeaway is, is I despise conservative coaching and it, and it really played out on, onto some week one stuff is running the ball works if you run the ball well. But the issue is when you're not running efficiently, teams keep hammering like we've got to establish a run. We've got to establish yes. a run. If it's not working, you need to be quick to abandon it. And that's where I think a lot of the teams go wrong. And that's where teams like Patricia, Matt Patricia and the Lions went wrong. Um, you know, and just. 
and and Vic Fangio as well. Like it's it's just and oh, it it just does my head in some of these coaching performances. Tomlin kicking a field goal down twenty seven zip. Like yeah, glad you got that field goal because now you're only down. 26 points. Like what, like what is the absolute purpose of kicking a field goal there? Same with Vic Fangio and, and, and them going for a field goal instead of going for a touchdown numerous times. And then Fangio dropping Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. He's supposed to be this defensive guru and then he drops them into coverage, um, instead of rushing the passer against, you know, a Raiders O-line that has some very heavy tackle issues. I just, it sort of did my head in in week one. We're only in week one and these head coaches that are just making asinine decisions. Um, and you know, it hurt my bets, so I'm a little bit filthy that way. But just in general, it's not it's not a fun watch as a fan as well. Glad, glad your priorities are in check. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think you know, it definitely hurt punters. Um, you know, the, the Denver one's an interesting one because I think you know they, they have this fascination with with running the ball, like like you both said. Um, and, and Royce Freeman is at the moment is clearly below par when you compare it to Philip Lindsay. Um, yep. and and they just have this this thing about going back to Royce Freeman. And yeah. I, don't, I don't understand because he hasn't shown anything yet. No, and they had him um, in on third downs and he's nowhere near the pass catching back. That Use the hot hand. Philip Lindsay was, was working, was playing well. Mm. Um, and then you go back to Royce Freeman again and, and you fail. Um, I just don't, I don't get it. And I think that's, that's a fascinating thing there with Baltimore and, uh, sorry, with Denver and contrasting that with the run pass option, which Flacco doesn't provide them. So where Baltimore can sort of give you a look, Denver can't do that with Flacco. Uh, I don't, Minnesota can't really do it much with, um, with Kirk Cousins, and Indy might be able to do it a little bit more with Brissett. But when you don't have a quarterback who's mobile, you present no threat there to the opposition, and you can line up and, and absolutely counter that running game really easily and just sit in the box if, if necessary. So, yeah, that, that does draw in the conservative play calling. It draws into a, a, a lack of athleticism. That's been built into that team as well. So massive concerns with Denver. Huge concerns. Yeah, massive. And uh, let's uh, let's parlay that into week two now, and we'll start uh, with our picks and and analysis of every game here. Um, and we'll start with Thursday night football: Tampa Bay at Carolina. Carolina now flat seven uh, favorite at home. Forty nine and a half is the total. I really liked the six and a half earlier in the week. I jumped on then. Um, I'm now I'm hope now I'm kind of hoping it gets to seven and a half so I can jump on the plus and and ride for that uh, that nice little seven point gap there in the middle. But I mean Carolina really should have beaten the Rams even with Cam Newton having a bit of an off game. There was a little few little errors there here and there that kind of cost them that game. But I think they their the their defense was a shining light. They held Goff to one of his worst sort of throwing performances in a, in a while. Um, and I think there's a lot of good signs there from Carolina from a defensive. Uh, perspective, and I do think uh, they should get the win here against Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I, I think the the Panthers were really impressive um, in Week One. They, they really took it up to, to LA. I, I also like the the six and a half point line. Um, I've seen it kind of fluctuating between the six and the seven at, at a few places. Yep. Um, over the last kind of twenty four to forty eight hours, I really really like it at six. Um, I like the six and a half. Seven is borderline, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, that we can expect a better performance from Cam Newton. You know, it's almost a, a, a new offense with DJ Moore taking a, a, a bigger part in that offense. Um, he's got a, a number of different options to, to throw to now, um, and, and legitimate threats. So I'm really interested to see what, what happens there in that, um, in that Carolina offense. I think the line's spot on in this game, but 
just going back to Carolina's uh, performance last week with the Rams, and again, if I'm going to harp on that running game again, the strength of Carolina's defense is probably in that middle there with Kawan Short, Dontari Poe, and Gerald McCoy. Yet Todd Gurley did what he wanted in that last quarter. I think 70 rushing yards in the last quarter alone. Yep. And again, this is the Rams turning it over to the running game. Uh, and when it's not apparently, again, and analytically advisable, but the running game got it home for a really smart team. That's something that concerned me with Carolina. I do think they'll win here. Mm. Um, Ta- it's a, Ta- it's Tampa a Bay win. don't. Tampa Bay don't really have a uh, no. a strong running game or any talent on, on the likes of Todd Gurley, thankfully. Um, but yeah, you're right. That that was a concern that they couldn't close that out or, or get a stop there. Um, but I yep. thought before that last quarter where they couldn't stop the run, I thought they were doing quite a good job there, the, the Carolina defense. But yeah, you don't want to fall to 0-2 here, even though the schedule does get a little bit better for them. But this is a win at home against a, an inferior team that you, you should you should get the, get the win on the board. Yeah, I think so. Okay, moving on. Indianapolis at Tennessee. Tennessee minus three-point favorites at home. Total is 44 and a half. Um, start us off here, Nick. Yeah, look, I was, I was, um, quietly impressed with, with Brissett. He looked to have a nice rapport with, with T.Y. Hilton. Yep. Um, and I'm kind of waiting to see that, um, relationship with the tight ends. I think they could be really dangerous if, if start using the tight ends, especially, um, close to the goal line. Um, and they could be really dangerous. I, I think the Colts, yeah, I, I don't mind the, the three point line, um, Colts to cover, but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if, if I had to choose, I probably probably wouldn't take anything. But um, it sounds like, like you're Marlon very uncertain. <laughs> I, I am uncertain, but I do like Marlon Mack to have a big game. Okay, you want 100 plus yards? 90-95. Yeah, which you can get for around the 250. Okay, there you go. Something saucy, uh, James. What's your thoughts on this one? Love the Titans in preseason. Love them in week one against Cleveland, 43-13 winners. They're slipping under the radar heavily. I think you can get about 270 for them to win the uh, AFC South there. Um, yep. Really like them. Like, the offense looked really good. They've got a lot of speed there. They've got a heavy, you know, they've got a heavy presence in Derrick Henry as well. Mariota looked good. The three, yeah, it's about spot on. I'd say maybe the Colts could cover it, but I'm interested in the Tennessee win here and taking the two zip. Colts okay. wouldn't want to fall in a zip two hole, though, obviously. Yeah, I think the Colts plus three, um, and it might even get to three and a half either way that the uh, prices is, is moving, um, is probably one of the best bets of the week. Um, this isn't my Colts uh, bias as well. I thought the Colts were really impressive against the Chargers on the road. I know the Chargers don't really have a home field advantage per se, but you're still technically on the road. And, you know, they should have beaten LA. They they had a few things that just didn't go their way. Adam Vinatieri, who's the greatest kicker of all time, missed three kicks. Eric Ebron had a touchdown taken away that was a sl- the slightest of slight bobbles I've ever seen. And then there was a uh, field goal attempt early by the Chargers that, uh, that went in, but then there was a, a flag that the officials have now admitted that should not have been a flag, and it gave the Chargers a fresh set of downs, and they ended up scoring a touchdown a couple of plays later. So there was a few little hiccups there that really cost the Colts. And the Titans, yeah, look, they were impressive last week, but they were actually outgained in that game and won by 30 points. So it's a very misleading scoreline. Um, and they were, you know, heavily benefited from 18 penalties from the Browns, which is insane. Yes, the Titans were great, but the Browns were especially awful. Sure, but they did pick off Baker three times. They sacked Cleveland, yeah, uh, sorry, three, uh, five times as well. Yep. 
Exactly, but you're not getting that amount of pressure on the Colts' offensive line as opposed to the Browns. They're, they're at True. opposite ends of the spectrum. True. I just think they fly, They they just really fly under the radar, Tennessee. As we said in the preseason podcast, three straight nine yeah. and seven seasons. Yeah, definitely. Nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, exactly. And I probably agree with you. I think they're they're probably the best price to win the division. I think they're the most complete team in the division, especially if Mariota plays like that every week. The issue with them is always Mariota starts totally. to get banged up, but they actually yes. have a pretty competent backup, yes. I guess, in Ryan Tannehill now. Uh, that they didn't have in previous years. So I still think that 270 is rock solid. But I think the Colts plus three here um, is a bet, and I think they could potentially win this game outright. I think they were they're quite impressive. Their defense last week wasn't up to scratch, and Matt Eberflus has come out and said that, and they're going to make some changes. But, yeah, I just think the Colts always seem to play well against Tennessee. And, the, and always the issue with Tennessee is that they can never string them together. Like, they've always looked so great for weeks and weeks, and then they just... Mm. They go missing for weeks as well, so um, they always seem to to get to nine and seven, as you said. But you know, if they can get off to a good start here and, and convince the Colts, then I don't think they'll be flying, you know, under the radar for much longer. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I think yeah. they they should have been preseason favorite um, the minute Luck retired for that division. Um, in mm. my opinion, I agree. Um, it's a huge game. Yeah, definitely. Dallas minus four and a half at Washington. Total is four forty six and a half. I'll start us off here. I think this game should be closer to a touchdown. Um, so I think Dallas minus four and a half is a bet. I know um, there's a, a bit of an overreaction to Dallas's insane offensive performance last week. Um, but I do think that Washington are a little bit overlooked. As, uh, 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 what's the word? Uh, overhyped a little bit after that first half. Yes, they were great. Yes, they were leading Philly, who many think are a Super Bowl champion. 17-0, but I felt like Philly were kind of having their preseason there in the first half. It felt like they were a little bit rusty. But then in the second half, when they when Wentz got warmed up and they got it all together, Washington only gained five yards before their garbage time drive at the end where they covered um, the, the spread at the end there. And that was a 75-yard drive when Philly were up by 12 and there was barely any, and they scored with six seconds left. So five second-half yards is pretty embarrassing. Um, I just think... That things are going well for Dallas. I really like uh, the way their offense looked, um, and that was a that was a win there where Zeke kind of really didn't even get going on the ground either as well. So I do think uh, that Dallas will cover here. Um, the Washington are one and five against the spread in their last six games against the NFC East, and Dallas are also on a four and one against the spread streak um, in Washington. So I think Dallas minus four and a half is a bet. Yeah, I'm, I'm a lot less unsure than the last matchup on this one. I. I... I, uh, I agree completely with you on that one. I think Dallas are a far better, um, far more talented, more accomplished roster on, on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, and, and they, they were very good last week, but they are a very efficient offensive, um, unit that they're not the most flashy. They don't have the, you know, the superior quarterback in, in, in all of the, the metrics, but, you know, Dak is very efficient. He's effective. Um, and their, their offense as a whole is efficient and effective. Um, I agree. I think that this line should be closer to a touchdown. I think the minus four and a half is, is probably my bet of the week. And, and look for Ezekiel Elliott to be even stronger. Um, he's fitter again for a, uh, for a run, and I think he'll 90% of the carries this week. Yep. This is another area of the season that I'm just loving. As much as the running back debate, I'm loving the evaluation of Dak Prescott. You know, there's some moments I look at him and I think, God, honestly, he's he's as good as anybody out there. And then others, this run-of-the-mill ordinary. I saw a stat at 5.38, Neil Payne article this morning, which was saying that that Dak Prescott performance on the weekend was the sixth best in Cowboys history from an ELO 
perspective. Mm. So, Man, and I was against the Giants' defense, so that's, yep. a, that's you know massive asterisks on that. But I, I just really love this whole Callum Moore system. Seven different receivers caught catches on the weekend as well for Dallas without any da- uh, Zeke involvement, as we said. I love this team and I love the ten dollars for the NFC going forward as well to, to you know they're gonna be in the picture. That's yeah, for sure. I, I think the relationship, you know, obviously it was a perfect start, so you know, things are getting a, a bit over overhyped a little bit, but I do think it's still it's like if that's if even if they're eighty percent of that every week with this mm. Kellen Moore offense, it's gonna be great. And and Dak Dak just looks so happy in that offense. Yep. It just it just marriages perfectly and, and yep. Kellen Moore was talked about as a, a kind of a Sean McVay type offensive coordinator. I know that he's the sort of the yardstick and everyone gets kind of compared to Sean McVay now, but I do feel like Kellen Moore um I think the words there and, and the hype around him is actually for real. I think he he is the perfect guy to to handle this and Dallas it, the offense just looks so smooth. Like it's just a well oiled machine to previous years. But Dak was always sort of in doubt of where to throw it and, and had to force throws and things were just just way open and, and flying open. Um, I'm going to channel you, James, and say, um, you know, futures bet here. Dak Prescott for MVP at twenty six dollars is uh, is pretty tempting uh, given that performance. He had a perfect passer rating as well. Um, he did. So you know, why not him? Why not if if they are going to you know win the AFC and be a high seed? Generally, a quarterback for you know one or two seeds is going to have a good chance to win the MVP. So. Um, you know, maybe if, if this does continue and they become more pass heavy and, and, and use play action and use Zeke more for play action than anything, then why not, yeah. why not Zach Prescott? Um, he was offensive rookie of the year. We know what he can do. So, you know, why not? Um, yeah, excited okay. about Dallas. Okay. Jacksonville at Houston. Houston favorites here at home minus eight and a half after a devastating loss. Probably the game of the week, that game. Um, 43 points there. Uh, Nick, what do you like here? Um, I like Houston at the minus eight and a half. I really liked them offensively last week. Um, defensively, they were pretty good too. I, I haven't seen the, the New Orleans offense look so stagnant and unsure about what to do with the ball um, mm. for a while as they did. They they always start slow, New Orleans. That, that, yeah, that's their, start, that's but, their second week one game they've won in like 10 years. Yeah, but there were some stats. Like, I'm trying to remember what they were about uh, Drew Brees and, and some of his passing stats in yep. in week ones and twos, and um, this was the worst performance I've seen Drew Brees for, for a long time. Um, I, and, and it's hard to tell if that's just, you know, New Orleans starting the season slow or if that was Houston putting enormous pressure on. And, and I, I'm leaning towards Houston. I, I thought they were really impressive for most of the game. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I really like Houston the line here. Okay. James, what do you – do you agree with uh, Nick? I wasn't too concerned with New Orleans ultimately in terms of Breeze was able to get it done when it mattered most. You know, that even that last sort of 40 or 50 yard drive with 10 or so seconds left was vintage Drew Breeze. And I do think the line might have sort of bought in too much to that Houston performance combined with the situation in Jacksonville. Yeah, I, I'd sort of maybe if you can tease the Jags out to 10 and a half, that could be a play there. But, um, yeah, uh, it's a, it's a sort of it's a watch for me. Yeah, if it gets to ten, I'm chips in uh, on yeah, the okay. on the Jags plus. Um, I'm even on the Jags here at eight and a half. I I don't know what it is, but I didn't find that Texans that performance that great. Deshaun Watson was phenomenal, but and oh, and God, DeAndre Hopkins was. But I feel like I don't know. I just feel like their de- I don't know about their defense. I, JJ Watt was non-existent in that game. Um, yeah. 
that's a concern for me. Like he is their pass rush. Um, now that they don't have Jadavian Clowney as well, he was their best run stuffer by a long margin. And now they're coming up against Leonard Fournette, who's going to feature heavily in this yep. offense and, and run the ball. They couldn't stop Kamara last week. Now they've got Leonard Fournette coming at them. Um, obviously the quarterback situation hurts, but you know, Gardner Minshew's still probably better than Blake Bortles. So like, it's not, <laughs> it's not the worst case scenario for the Jags. Um, see how he, how he comes in knowing he's, he's a starter. Uh, yeah. I feel like sometimes it can be easier for, for backups to come in mid, mid game. And, yeah. Cause you've got an excuse if you're a starter. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I mean, there's no pressure, right? It's just, you come in, you've got to do a job. And if you don't, well, you're just a backup. Yeah, exactly. Starter, and, and there's some, um, and there's some pressure on him. It's gonna be really interesting to see how he how he handles that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think like like I said last week, I'm big on the Texans. Um, pretty much every I every perspective. I can't buy into him. I can't buy into Bill O'Brien. He wasted two timeouts, and then Watson bailed him out with that twenty yard TD run. He wasted two timeouts to 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 a, to a challenge instead of just challenging it straight away. And, I just feel like I he's such think, a bad coach. I st- oh, I I agree. I agree. But I think they have so much talent, especially on offense, to yep. to you know redeem themselves in in that regard. And, and you know, I'm big on Watson and and Hopkins. Um, yeah, Fuller look good too. Both. I've taken them both in in two fantasy leagues. I'm going hard on the Texans offense. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I really like. Them. Yeah, I was look, impressed with everything. I d- yeah, I definitely agree that their their offense is is potent, and I think they're going to be you know one of the best offenses in the league if Deshaun Watson can stay healthy. He took a lot of hits. This Jacksonville front's going to be more ferocious than the Saints front up against that offensive line that still looked like garbage, even with Laramie Tunsil there. He, he can only do so much. Um, mm. So that could be something that we could see there. Um, and I do think the secondary will bounce back a little bit after Mahomes sort of kind of. Embarrass them a little bit, um, and then it's worth noting as well. The Texans just just released one of their starting corners after a, a shocking game, um, so their secondary is a little bit more. Uh, not it's not as bad as Kansas City's, which which we saw Minshew take advantage of, but um, it's still still able to be passed upon. Uh, but I don't know if Minshew's going to be able talented enough to take advantage of that. But an eight and a half in a division match seems. A little bit too high for me, so I'm going to be a little bit contrarian here against uh, you guys and take uh, take the Jags. But let's move I'm on. I'm on the Jags too, Josh. Oh, you are good, good <laughs> yeah. man. Well, it's just me and Nick again, budding. Uh, I'm one to know after last week after uh, our fight. We'll see. You'll probably even it up here. Our time will come. Yeah, exactly. Uh, New England, eighteen and a half point favorites. I just said a division match, eight and a half is too big. What about eighteen and a half here for the road? <laughs> the road favorite in Miami at uh, forty-eight is the total there. Um, look, my head immediately wants to say, yes, take, take the plus 19 or 18. I think you can get 19 and a half at some places. Um, it's crazy high. Like, you know, it's just so, so tempting. And in my, and in Miami in September is kind of where Brady struggled in, in times in that heat. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to pass, but you know, I'm going to get out my, uh, conspiracy, uh, hat here and, and say, if you were going to have a bet here, maybe take, the Dolphins' money line because Belichick has a history of losing to his former uh, coordinators here. I don't know if he does it on purpose to just give him a bit of confidence or a belly up or, or what here, but last year he lost to the Titans and the Lions. Two of his former coaches that worked under him got the advantage, whether they know how to play him or whether Belichick's just taking it easy. I don't know. Getting the tinfoil hat out here. Um, but, um, you know, I might chuck 10 bucks on the Dolphins at $11 and just uh, make this game interesting. <laughs> it's it's a massive line for week two. I think it's one of those classic 
classic overreactions from from week one performances. I mean, let, let's be honest, the Pats the Pats should win this and win this pretty easily, but it's way too big a line for for me to take up. The total also, uh, I'm unsure about it. I'm leaning overs mm. at, at the 48, but only because I think the Pats can put up some some points and and if they do decide to take it easy, it's probably taking it easy on the defensive end. So. Yep, Dolphins could could score a couple of touchdowns potentially, but you know it's it's a pass for me really this one. Okay, yeah, it's it's from a line perspective, it's 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 a difficult decision because we don't know motivation levels and all those kind of things. But from an actual game perspective, these two in different leagues, yeah, <laughs> so definitely. Patriots, Patriots will be winning and. And Miami won't. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it is it is interesting. These these teams are at opposite ends of my rating, so uh, you know I have it like sixteen and a half is the is the line. So you know eighteen and a half seems to be a little bit of value. You know, and you're right. Like they could just. My question is, how many more? Who will throw more touchdown passes in this game, Jarrett Stidham or the Dolphins? Because yeah. you could see you could see Stidham in the second half here as they put their foot off the brakes and just and just cruise for the win. Um, so that could be something. But you know, I just the Steelers managed only three points against this New England defense is great. I just I, I agree with you. You put this in the doc, James. Like, where are the Dolphins going to be able to score here? Well, how many points are they are they able to to get? This is the thing in terms of the Patriots' defense is probably the most un- underappreciated aspect of this juggernaut at the moment. Yep. Gilmore, Jamie Collins is back there. Dante Hightower, Kyle yep. Gart front. This yep. is strong. It's really strong, and they're, yep. they're mean. And they even the idea of them not wanting Pittsburgh to score a single touchdown, calling the timeout against Tomlin late in the game. Yep. Like this is crazy. It's so Belichick, and it could be one of the best defenses he's had in about fifteen, sixteen years. Yeah, I think so. it's their best defense they've had since two thousand and four when they won the Super yeah. Bowl, and, and yeah. Brady was basically just a game manager there. If you look at the stats from that yeah. year, he was he was kind of doing what Blake Bortles was doing, which sounds crazy when you just when you, when you mention Bortles, but it's just when you inflate numbers and for era adjust, he basically was like a like a game manager there. It was just sort of. 15, 16 throws and a couple of touchdowns and, and, and then the defense rode them. And that's kind of what they're doing now. But now that they've added Antonio Brown and things, they can just do it both ways. It's funny even how much sort of Belichick has invested in that secondary as well. Sort of seeing the sort of movement of the contemporary NFL towards big pass games and stuff like that. He's just so sort of got his chips in that yep. you're not going to pass against us. Yeah, he's, 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 he starts five guys back there as well yep. for that reason. Both the McCautry brothers as well. So yeah, he's, he's just ahead of the curve. He's just too good. Yeah. They were they were switched on last week yep. defensively, and and like you said, they did everything they possibly could to stop Steelers from scoring, and the Steelers. You have a really potent offense, even without Le'Veon mm. Bell, even without Antonio Brown. The, the, you know they're capable of putting up points, and, and the Pats were switched on. Yeah, in that regard. yeah. yeah I feel like they could they could potentially leave it a little loose. Um, yeah. and go high and dry. In, yeah, in week two. But, Just, um, it's a different game playing in Miami, where you yeah. eighteen and a half point, as opposed to playing at home against a rival uh, on the night you've just you know um, put a new banner up in your stadium as well. So um, it's a totally yeah. and, different, and, and, totally yeah, different thing. And we spoke about this, you know, pre pre podcast. Like, who cares what the Patriots do in September? Like, yeah, they, they don't care. They're, yeah. they're they're cruising now, and they'll cruise for the next four or five weeks. Yep. Um, until it starts to matter. Yeah, exactly. They, they'll, exactly. They'll probably go undefeated until their bye week. We touched on this last week. Uh, James mentioned it as well. Um, that they have a pretty cruisy schedule until week nine. Their their bye week, and then after that, they have a couple of tough matchups. But yeah, they're getting to ten ten wins no matter what. So. Um, they're, they're, they're in cruise control. Um, the Chargers, they travel to Detroit, two and a half point favorites on the road, 47 and a half 
Um, I'm going to pass on here. This line and total both look pretty spot on for me. Um, I can't try, even if I wanted to bet against or for the lines, either way, they're going to let me down. So I'm not going to even bother. Um, I just, I am from a long term approach. I just want to see the charges form from here. Um, whether they're actually a lot, you know, who they are or actually they've taken a step back and maybe the Colts are a little bit overrated because of how well they played against the Chargers. Maybe the Chargers aren't as good without Russell Okun and Endo and James and things. So I do want to see how the Chargers um, look, whereas Detroit, I kind of know who they are. Um, last week was the perfect example of <laughs> Detroit Lions football. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to pass on this one. Another injury as well of the Chargers to Hunter Henry is a real yep. sort of, it's, a, it's, just, it's, it's a tragedy <laughs> for Chargers. They really are. They really are, especially as, as, as we've spoken about, they've assembled such a really cool team, especially on defense. They're multifaceted. Another sack each for, you know, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa on, on the weekend. Yeah, Eckler in, in the running pass game as well. Just, He's I'd love stud. to see all, he is. And, and, and Nick was right on the money about that as well going yep. into last week. But, um, I, I just would love to see them 100% healthy. Like, I really would. And it just seems to never happen. So you can never evaluate them properly, which is such a pain. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a shame. I mean, Hunter Henry is such a talented tight end. And, and I think people forget about him. And, you know, when you start doing your, your player rankings and that sort of stuff pre-season, you always seem to forget about Hunter Henry because he's missed so much football. And, and it's, a, it's a huge shame for, for the Chargers because I, I really like Hunter Henry. But yeah. I think, again, it means more touches, uh, more carries, more targets for for Eckler, um, I think he's a, another good play in uh, in some of the player props and also DFS. But um, I'm going to pass on the ma- major markets here too. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, good call on Eckler again. I think just ride Eckler until Gordon uh, comes back, or if he doesn't come back at all, then just keep riding Eckler every week because I just think he's just this perfect little weapon for Philip Rivers in this offense. And I think Mike Williams is actually out injured as well. So this could be yeah, a big right. Eckler game in receivers. So maybe receptions over, receiving yards over um, could be the play there. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention this earlier. Just shout out to Malik Hooker for getting me up and about on a, on an early uh, Monday morning with that uh, one-handed interception. I was uh, very aroused after, to, after that uh, <laughs> interception, uh, my guy. Um, all right, San Francisco at Cincinnati. Cincinnati minus one and a half. Uh, 45 is the total there. Cincy, surprise, probably one of the most surprising teams in week one. They probably should have beaten Seattle on the road there, um, in a massive upset as nine and a half point dogs. Zach Taylor, credit to him. Play calling was superb and I think kind of egg on the face of all three of us because we were kind of like, this is the most boring TV, the NFL, rada, rada, rada. <laughs> and then they're out there tossing long bombs to John Ross and, and making sacks and, um, James touched on, you know, Hubbard and, 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 and their, so, a few of their players on defense. So you got that one right, James. They kind of popped up, you know, and they do have some neat players that are early sort of top 100 picks. They have a lot of top 100 picks in their defense. If they are sort of 10 to 15% better, each of them under this new coaching staff, then their defense is actually kind of sneaky okay. And then if Zach Taylor can get that out of Andy Dalton every week where they release the ball quicker and, and utilize, his abilities and, and what they have to to uh, eliminate the uh, O-line issue, then I do think they're going to be a team that are going to sort of surprise a few teams. I don't think they make the playoffs or anything, but they could play spoiler for a lot of teams that have that circled as an easy win um, on their calendar. So I do think that the Bengals are kind of a, a little bit more of a fun team now, and it's, uh, it's actually quite exciting. In saying all that, I like the over 45 here. I think uh, the Bengals will put up some points against San Fran. San Fran's defense played okay last week, and I think a lot of that was just Winston being 
just horrendous. Um, and I think so. Cincinnati probably could score here at home when, when they manage to put up points against Seattle on the road. This is an easier defense. And I do think San Fran will be able to put up points. Jimmy Garoppolo, hopefully a little bit more comfortable now. He gets his first game out of the way after that ACL injury. Um, and they'll get things going a little bit. They need something from their receivers. Dante Pettis was a nut, was a no show at all in that game. I'm not hugely sort of excited about this particular game, but just to point back on the Bengals, though, in terms of Andy, Andy Dalton and in that Taylor system, um, he's a perfectly ordinary quarterback to, to, to execute. We're not dealing with a scrub here. We're dealing with, what, an eight, nine-year pro yep. who can carry a, a team, but I don't know how far he'll be carrying them. I still think six games, five games is still the limit. Yep. But and at least at least maybe the seeds have been sown now that you know there is a there is a path for this team. Yeah, I had them sort of two three wins. So if they can get to five or six, that's an improvement. Yeah, there you go. yeah. yeah exactly. So you know, and there's there's some things there that they can work with. Uh, Nick, any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I, I was impressed with them. I, I kind of like you said had them down as as a really uninspiring, uninteresting season. But you know, having having John Ross fit and healthy makes such a difference to them. I think he's a guy to have on offense. Really interested to see what happens with Joe Mixon. Um, don't think he practiced yeah. uh, all, all week. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he plays. If he doesn't, then Gio Bernard and Tyler Boyd, I think, are pretty good DFS plays and, and potentially some prop action there too. Bernard especially, I think, will, will get some extra carries and targets, as, as we know, is kind of his, uh, his forte in that offense. Yeah, Mixon day today. So, you know, he's a guy that kind of would impact the total a bit just because he is such a big factor for Cincinnati and, and enables them to sort of run in between the tackles, whereas Joe Bernard is capable, but, you know, doing that 25 times a game obviously limits his impact in the passing game and things like that. So it's definitely one to monitor um, over the weekend and see how they go. Um, Buffalo minus one and a half at the Giants, 43 and a half. Second road game for the Bills, but it's at the same stadium, so it's kind of just stay in New York for for two weeks here and, and see how they go. I like the under 43 and a half here. I don't want to touch... The line, um, yeah, it's it's a tough line. I, I, I didn't think the Giants were that bad. I just think they ran into a bit of a buzzsaw, I think, um, you know, in, in the Cowboys. I thought Eli Manning was a little bit better than I expected, but this Bills defense is absolutely outstanding. Um, they only allowed 10 points, and they pressured Darnold the entire game, and they were the number two rated defense last season and they've got 10 of their 11 starters back and and that extra starter is Ed Oliver. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's so it's, it's an incredible defense and I think the Jets offense is is probably rated a touch higher than the Giants if they can hold them to 10 points then I think they can do the same with the Giants and if they struggle to score points Josh Allen's very inconsistent. Um, even though I do think the Giants' defense is is atrocious, I don't think the Jets' defense is much better. So I don't know if the, the Buffalo Bills are capable of putting up sort of 30 points on their own here. So I like the under. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like the under. I also like the, the one-and-a-half-point line for, for the Bills. Um, we knew that defensively they were going to be really good, and they kind of proved that as they have um, you know, for, for a whole year already. Yep. Um, the Giants are pretty uninspiring on, on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't see them putting up a whole lot of points, to be honest. And and I, I like the double. I'll be taking both those both those markets in singles, but I think I'll also have a play at the double. Yep, at about three seventy five, four bucks. Um, there you go. That's, uh, an I, early, I like that one. An early long shot. There we go. We like it. Mm. Uh, James, any thoughts on this one? I just love what's brewing in Buffalo overall. Love that defense. 
I know Alan's sort of still a bit maligned and he's still learning and he's a little bit different, unconventional. Um, I just love the whole project there. I love McDermott, as I said, in the preseason, and I love yep. the Bean as general manager and that roster that he's built, and I love where they're going. So Bill's money line for me as well there. Okay. Yep. Uh, Minnesota at Green Bay. Green Bay minus three. Total is 44, a really good division game in a division that's, you know, sort of a three-horse race here. I'm leaning Minnesota plus three and the under 44 and a half here. Um, I think, I just think Minnesota are a better team, although I did kind of like what I saw out of the Green Bay defense, and that's kind of why I'm leaning towards the under. Um, I think Minnesota's defense is back um, in a big way as well. I just think this is a game where it's going to be sort of tough, sort of AFC, uh, NFC North, uh, football here, so I do really like the under. If I had to pick one, I'd probably lean towards the under rather than the the Vikings minus three. But um, I got to mention, Everson Griffin looks like he's turned the clock back as well, and he's back into peak Everson Griffin, which is bad news for opposing O lines there, um, especially with Daniil Hunter coming around. But I do think the the Vikings are are a better team. Um, they're rated higher in my ratings and my player ratings as well. Um, so I like the Vikings. Um, and the unders hit in six of their last seven games, the Vikings. So I do think this will be a bit of a slug. I think if I got one wrong, in, uh, we, no, I definitely got Minnesota wrong from where I sort of regarded them in the preseason. Um, seemed to have everything together, even though it was minimal change to the actual roster. Yep. And if you're going to be playing Green Bay, you probably want to be in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. You want to be doing it this early in the year before the frozen tundra sets in. Yep. So Vikings for me, I think they can win this. Yeah, definitely Vikings. be taking points. Yeah, Vikings for me too. I'll, I'll be taking the points. I, I think they, I think they win this one. Um, yep. I thought they were really good last week. The Falcons put up a couple of, uh, couple of junk time touchdowns in the last quarter. Yep. Um, which, which kind of limited the, the impressiveness of the scoreline, but, um, uh, they were really impressive. And, and obviously you, you don't see an offense with Kirk Cousins, um, yeah. leading, only throwing the ball 10 times. Yeah. As, as we that's, said earlier. That's insane. I don't know if they're going to be blessed like that here against Green Bay, but you know, yeah, if... probably not, probably not. But I also don't think that Green Bay were amazing last week. Mm. Um, you know, I thought if anything, the bears were just horrendous. Yeah, exactly. Um, I put a poll up on Twitter it's... about that. I was like, were the bears bad or the Green Bay dolphins good? Or is it a little bit of both? You know? Yeah, probably, probably a little bit of both, but I, I'm, yep. That that's, that's the, uh, intelligent part of my brain speaking, the emotional part of my brain saying the Bears were just rubbish, um, and, and the, the Packers just benefited from that. Um, yeah. But yeah, Vikings at, at the line, but I think they win anyway. So yeah, okay. Uh, James touched on this as well with uh, with regards to you know the playmakers on Packers defense. Darius Smith did step up and and make some plays there, and I do like their safety pairing as well. I think they're kind of the improvements there for for Green Bay, but. Looks like we're kind of all on the all on the same page there with Minnesota plus three could potentially be our second lock of the week. But let's move on to Arizona at Baltimore. Baltimore a uh, thirteen point favorites at home. The total is forty seven. Uh, Baltimore, what a win from them last week! Mm. But uh, that's a big, big number at home. Um, even though Arizona were dreadful for three quarters, um, I'm just not going to touch that line. I just think it's a little bit too big for me. Um, I'm keen to watch Lamar Jackson play again, but I'm not going to be betting on this game. For, for me, this sort of reminds me or takes me over back to the Tennessee game um, in terms of setting up something for Baltimore from a futures perspective. There's a 270s hanging out there for the AFC North. Josh, I know you were so huge on Baltimore in the preseason, and that absolutely yep. has rung true already from what we've seen in week one. Yep. Um, both sides of the ball. Ravens look absolutely loaded. I don't know about the line here. It seems to be 
as we said, quite inflated. But yeah, I'm looking for to see if all of that kind of principles that Baltimore put in this week, last week, continue. When they run the ball effectively and the, whether the defense can be so menacing again, like the, like Baltimore long term as well. Yeah, I, I think it's another one of those kind of classic early season week two overreactions at, at the line. Um, on, on form and on the trend, you know, the Ravens should win and win fairly big again. Um, but that 13 points is probably a bit far for me. If, if that gets down to 12 or 11 and a half, I'd definitely look at it. Yep. Um, but the 13 is just a, just a touch high for me to, so I'll, I'll pass at 13. Yeah, it, it's just it is such just such a high number um, for, especially for a team like yeah that wants to run the ball a lot and and the the Cardinals are going to be a little bit more on, offer a little bit more on offense they're they're actually playing and trying whereas the Dolphins are active actively trying to sort of just throw the towel in the rack here so I sort of have it at ten and a half so yeah that th- that thirteen is is too big for me. Um, moving on, Seattle at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh favourites here, minus four, 46.5. Apart from Denver, I can't think of two teams that were more underwhelming in week one here, and they're facing off against each other. Um, just on principle alone, the plus four kind of just seems good because I think both teams are bad, so I'd rather just take the team getting points here. Um, but Pittsburgh are a different team at home. Obviously, they're not travelling and facing New England on banner night to open the season, um, so it's a little bit different, and I know that they'll want to sort of get that bad smell out of the building after after that embarrassing week one performance. Um, and Seattle, very lucky to win at home. Um, but they, they can. They can deliver it. Um, they did mention Tyler Lockett. He said that he got double teamed by the Bengals and he'd never had to go through that again. I don't know if, if Tomlin's smart enough to do that. Um, they'll probably end up pairing a linebacker on, on Tyler Lockett or something. I think Lockett way. might be injured as well. I don't know if he'll actually play in this game. Mm, God, okay. Well, if Tyler Lockett's out, then I'm done. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. But yeah, I'm going to probably avoid. But if I had to lean, I'm leaning Seattle plus four. Yeah, it's it's a pass for me. I was really underwhelmed by Seattle last week. I, I think you know we all talked about um, Seattle only having one kind of one go-to play, one go-to guy, and and if Plan A doesn't work, then what's Plan B? It doesn't seem like they have any. It didn't even seem like they had Plan A last week. Um, you know, Lockett I think had one target, one reception. Really good player, but I I just can't see them if he's if he's consistently out of the game and as James said if he doesn't play I just can't I can't see yeah. him winning that leaves DK Metcalf and Jerron Brown as their uh, top two yeah, receivers one and two just, yeah, yeah. And, and Metcalf was good Metcalf yeah. was really good but, but that's because he, he was the number two <laughs> that's right and, and I don't think he should be a number one yeah so not yet anyway no, yeah so no. and it's like, yeah it's, it's an intriguing one but uh, yeah I'm going to leave this one very very alone. Well, guys, I trust the system in Seattle, and, <laughs> I, I, and you know they did sneak the win out last week. They've put it together this whole decade. The Schneider, the Carroll partnership works well. Russell Wilson is a freak. I think Seattle will cover this game, and I don't. I'm not as worried about that week one performance. I know it wasn't great, yep. but if we're letting other teams off the hook for their first, you know, Philly stumbling out of the blocks in that first half, let's give Seattle a little bit of. Um, a little bit of a go as well here. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of re- the reason why I kind of lean towards the plus four because, like, even though they weren't yeah. great, they still won. Um, yeah. And they still got the job done and found a way to win, and, and Russell Wilson has that ability. Um, but also Pittsburgh have the ability to, to turn it around. So this is a game with just a, an insane amount of outcomes that I could see happening. Yes. So it's yes. kind of always an avoid when that's the case. Uh, Kansas City minus 7.5 at Oakland. 52.5 is the... Uh, Touchdown. I won't spend too long on this game. I think Oakland are a bit overrated after Denver's abysmal performance in prime time. Um, I do think Kansas City 
Um, if this gets to flat seven, I'm all in. But even at the seven and a half, I'm, I'm leaning that way. Kansas City seemed to play really well against Oakland, even though it is a road game and Tariq Hill's missing. They have a plethora of, of weapons and can get the job done. So I do think Kansas City win and cover. Yeah, completely agree. I also like uh, the Chiefs at the line. Um, would prefer it at that flat seven, but um, you know I'll take the seven and a half. Uh, so many options, and like you said, I think Oakland are, are, are probably that kind of opposite um, overreaction from from week one, as opposed to the Dolphins and uh, and Cardinals. But yeah, Chiefs Chiefs win this and, and win it pretty easily. <laughs> I try to keep uh, fairly reasoned with when in my writing as well, and some of my public opinions. Yep. I can't stand John Gruden. I really can't. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable watching. It watches me. It makes me so uncomfortable watching watching him. It seems it's like a pantomime performance where <laughs> he's playing the role of what he thinks a coach should look like in a movie or something. It's. I, just, yeah. I honestly, I can't stand him. <laughs> and, and yeah. So Casey, <laughs> Casey, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I, I actually tweeted. I actually tweeted during that Denver Oakland game that John Gruden just looked confused all the time. <laughs> yeah, he he on the sideline, he just looked confused. And someone wrote back and was just like, "Right, this is space. space. This is yeah. space. And there's, there's nothing you can do about." But it. it's kind of like pretend confusion at the same time. Like with <laughs> he always know. looks perplexed. Always just this yeah. is just his resting face. Yeah, I think. yeah, it is funny. Um. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Let's uh, let's move on. Chicago minus two and a half um, at Denver, forty and a half. The disappointment bowl um, here in week two. Um, I can't believe I'm going back to this well. Like I just can't believe it. But here we are. <laughs> um, degenerate gambling life. Um, Denver plus three at home. Um, if you can get it, I know it's around two and a half, but you can get some threes out there. I don't know. I can't do it. I know Joe Flacco's awful. I mean, if Raheem Moore doesn't fall over, he's out of the league. I'm telling you. <laughs> And then the goat Peyton Manning has three rings, but anyway, um, this, I can't believe I'm doing it. But they're at home. They're so much better at home. They're so much better at home. Vic Fangio knows how to play Trubisky. He knows that Trubisky can't fl- throw the ball left. He knows this system, but he also decided to rush to drop Von Miller and Bradley Chubb back into coverage. So I don't know. But I Denver plus three at home here against against a really bad quarterback. Um, is too hard to pass up here, especially mile high. Um, just given how good that home field advantage is for Denver over the years. This, this, like you said, disappointment bowl is a good way to put it. Um, yeah, yeah th- these teams were both just awful last week. And I, there's, like you said, it's probably slightly in a Denver at home. Um, but I just, I, I can't. I'm just going to, I don't even want to watch it. <laughs> I don't bet on it. I just, I don't want to watch it. It's, I think it's so uninteresting. Okay. I like that. I like that point though, Josh, in terms of Fangio knowing inside out of Trubisky, you know, and then again, you don't want to have any money on Joe Flacco. So. Oh, I know. I, <laughs> I don't normally like to talk about Bill Simmons, but he uh, tweeted during that game that he's retiring from betting on Joe Flacco, and I thought that was probably Bill Simmons' best tweet in about could five have, years. Probably should have happened a few years ago. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, disappointment bowl. We'll see how we go. Um, come on, Denver, rally. Come on. <laughs> For my guy, Adam Gottes, let's rally. Um, New Orleans at the Rams, two and a half point favorites, the Rams at home. This is the NFC Championship rematch. My only thoughts on this game and my only pick on this game is grab some popcorn and sit down and enjoy it. Um, by the way, the total is 53, I forgot to mention. Nick, you have a play, though. Yeah, I like the over 53. I I, I just think there's going to be points and, and a lot of them. Yeah, I, I can't wait for this game. It's kind of the equivalent of, of last week's um, Panthers game, yep. Panthers-Rams, and can't wait to watch it, but I think there's going to be points, and I'll have a, a little little flutter on the over. 
Okay. Yeah, this is this is really exciting. This is what modern offense is all about. Um, this is it's going to be beautiful too. Wonderful offensive systems and defenses that are okay as well. Really entertaining. Great game. Maybe Rams just because it's at home. Mm. But R- Rams had some doozies to start the year. Panthers and now the Saints. They play the Browns next week. So they've had some some early game uh, game of the week potential there from the Rams every week. Um, just a draw card. Um, yeah. Even if you don't like football and you and your missus wants to watch it, just you, if there's a coach's cam on Sean McVay, just just zone so, on in. And that would be let's go. Do we bring Gruden back into it and contrast him with Sean yeah. McVay? Yeah, you know like, that's a difference. perfect, absolutely. Yeah, uh, huge, huge different. All right, Philly minus one at Atlanta. Total is fifty one. Nick, your Philly um, thoughts? Yeah, go go Philly. Go Philly, but pass. Um, yeah, pass. Betting, betting on my own team away from home gets me into trouble. I wrote this in, in our notes earlier. Um, recognize when, when you're poor at something and gamble responsibly, people. This is, this is my, this is my downfall. <laughs> so no, pass for me. Um, for me, would have many, there weren't many teams as disappointing in week one than Atlanta and kind of all of a sudden we don't say this about Atlanta, but looking like a bit of a shambles. Quinn mm. sacked everybody. All the offensive coaches and all the defensive coaches from last year are gone. Mm. And it's kind of, <laughs> I, I don't know what that was about, that first up performance. It was terrible. Um, I, I'm, my, I, my guts would say Philly here. Yep. Just because of how awful Atlanta yeah. looked and turning around that quick. My gut also says that a, that a Matt Ryan, Dan Quinn combo can't be that awful two weeks in a row. They just can't. Like they, they just have to turn it around. But their offensive line's really concerning. They, they lost mm. their first round pick. Now he's on IR and their second round pick looked three or four steps too slow and he'll be matched up against Brandon Graham. So I, it's hard. I feel like Matt Ryan's going to be under pressure a lot in this game and we saw Keenan with time able to take advantage of of that time and pick apart Philly's secondary. I don't know if Matt Ryan's going to have that luxury. Um, so if I had to go away, it would be Philly, but I just don't like taking too many road, you know, teams on the road that are favorite there, especially against a team as good as, as good potentially as Atlanta. Um, but yeah, I'll be avoiding that game. All right. And the last game of the week, Cleveland minus two and a half on the road at the Jets. Total is 45 and a half. Um, if this gets back out to the plus three, I'm all over the Jets being home home dogs here. On the proviso that CJ Mosley is playing and healthy because their defense turned to absolute shambles when he left, and he was having a hell of a game before he uh, picked up that groin injury, and I think he's going to play a crucial role. Um, I do worry about the matchup of sort of Odell Beckham against whoever's playing corner for the Jets, but I also worry that the Browns... Uh, yeah, there's some some major concerns there with their offensive line and the way things are, and and I think uh, Baker looks a little bit banged up as well. He was carrying an injury at the end of that game, so if that carries on um, into the into this week, you're getting a team at home plus three, uh, two similarly rated teams in in my ratings. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning the unders. The Browns' offense hasn't clicked yet. I, I don't think they play that badly again for what it's worth. But um, yep. Jets' D was was pretty solid. They're, they're a tough team to gauge, but um, leaning the unders. I wonder if we're getting a bargain here on Cleveland, to be honest. Okay. In in terms of looking at the preseason and the way we all regarded Cleveland, did the Jets do anything interesting apart from blowing a 16-point lead against <laughs> Buffalo? Um, well, they, whereas... they were up against that <laughs> Buffalo D, so it's not... Yeah, it's not true. The... <laughs> true. I, I, I just think this is going to be a real litmus test of how far Cleveland have actually come. 
And and as you said though, Baker is a bit hobbled, so I would have preferred to see him 100% healthy. But I, yeah, I, I still, I still got some massive concerns about the Jets, and I do think Cleveland's roster, apart from that offensive line, is really good. I'd really expect Cleveland to win this game. Okay. This is a game that I'd probably wait till game day just because there is so much concern over yeah. important players like Baker Mayfield yeah. and CJ Mosley and, and Odell's hip as well, um, even though I think he looked he looked okay um, in week one. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at, I think, with that game, and that's obviously the last game of the week, so plenty of time um, there. All right, let's, uh, let's look at lock of the week. I think looking around, it's either the KC money line or Minnesota plus three. What are we more confident confident Dallas. in? Dallas oh, or Dallas, Dallas. yeah. Yeah. I think, th- should we go Dallas minus four and a half? I think that's what, yeah, we all had that across the board. Yep, all right. And I think we all like Dallas. Yeah. I'm a lot more confident in Dallas than I am Minnesota. So, uh, all right, mm. Dallas minus four and a half um, is our lock of the week. Um, hopefully we're, we're 0-1, but plenty of weeks left to uh, to, to move ahead here. Um, and also just take it with a grain of salt, um, given, you know, how... Yeah, it's you, you. All three of us are going to be on the page for it to be a lock, so it's pretty pretty hard to do. Um, okay, uh, best bets. My best bets this week: Dallas minus four and a half, as we just touched on. I like the Colts plus three, and the over forty five and a half in the San Francisco Cincinnati Bengals game. My long shot in that game um, is going to be Kittle hundred plus receiving yards and to score a touchdown. You can get around five six dollar mark there. Just shop around when it comes out. Um, a lot of the books still down. With player props and touchdown scorers, um, I had to go offshore to to navigate a price there. Um, and yeah, this is this is another long shot. I'm giving you a double long shot here, and I mentioned it earlier. Get your foil hat on if you're a conspiracy theorist. If you believe Avril Lavigne died many years ago and she's been replaced by a double, and Paul McCartney is also um, also dead and and it was replaced with a double, or the the moon landing was faked, um, then you'll bet on the Dolphins money line at eleven dollars. Funnily enough, if you play this podcast backwards, you can find out the truth to all of those things. Yeah, it is very, yeah, Eva Neptiage, or, um, yeah, so that's my second long shot there. Uh, Nick, what are your bests? Uh, yeah, as, as we've already said, Dallas at the minus four and a half, I think is, is my bet of the week. Um, I really like Marlon Mack, as I said earlier, yep. uh, 95 plus rushing yards, uh, will be around the 250 mark. I think yep. Again, had to go, had to go off sort of find something, um, just as the books went up yet, but, yep. um, I also like Todd Gurley this week, uh, 90-plus rushing yards at about the 280 mark. Okay. Um, and, and like I said earlier, my long shot at, at about 375 to 4 bucks. Uh, Bills, Giants, the, the line and total double. Love it. Uh, I love some line and, and total double action. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah no, I like it. It's a throwback. Classic punning, uh, punning uh, market there. Beautiful. Uh, James, what do you got for us? Yeah, more future stuff. Yep. Try and... Uh, hunt those Tennessee and Baltimore division prices, yep. the Cowboys NFC price, and I saw a couple of um, futures props regarding um, receiver markets in terms of DeAndre Hopkins at $9, Michael Thomas at $12 to, to win the uh, the receiving award. So. They're, they're, okay. very, they're very good. I, I like those lines. That, and I think that, that particular market hasn't been updated either, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. get in there because Julio <laughs> Jones is still favorite. So. Okay. Find that market and hit it. All right. Uh, that... I like that 12 for, for Michael Thomas. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, boys. Um, appreciate that. Uh, onwards and upwards in week two here. Um, go Dallas, minus four and a half. Um, America's team. This is Australia's <laughs> pod. And so, you know, why Why not us? Um, so uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back with uh, Daryl and uh, the models picks for week two. 
Okay, we're back now with Daryl Data, the doctor. Here he's he's back. Uh, Daryl, how did uh, how did week one go for the model? Obviously, we only had a f- couple of stuff this time last week, but um, obviously some more plays or, or potentially no more plays uh, early on, closer to kickoff. Uh, it's a good question. I haven't checked it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was busy busy fixing our live model over the weekend. Okay, fair enough. So um, inconclusive. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> if you check the website, you would know. Uh, Monday, they should be back up there. Okay. So what's uh, what's what's on the cards for week two here? We've, we've got some massive lines, one in particular, and, and some some hotly contested division uh, games as well. Yeah, I think the interesting one for me and the model at the moment is that Dolphins game. Yep. Um, Dolphins plus 18 and a half, 19, and yep. the under 48. Um, both model plays at the moment. Okay. Um, I think depending on your bookmaker and your rules and what you can get through, there's a few combinations there. Um, obviously a correlation between the underdog and the under. Yep. A couple of stats that I looked up earlier, um, uh, from Void Spets. Um, so 16 games, um, in the database where there's in a spread that is 40% of the total, um, and generally favorites of more than two touchdowns that cover go over 56.2. So I think you either go Miami under or um, the other way and over. But okay. Yeah, there you go. All right. Um, I, I like it. I like it. Just it, don't. It, it is a um, it is an incredibly big line for, for a week two matchup. How, how does the model tend to, um, I guess, appreciate or depreciate lines like this one? You'll find it often goes on big underdogs early in the season. Um, we had the other Florida team, Tampa Bay, pretty heavily at the start of last season and a couple of underdog wins there, including a big money line win, I think, from memory. But yeah, I mean, it definitely plays into it. There's more unknowns or variants around a team's performance early in the season. Um, so your overlap between games where Miami performs slightly better than expected and the opponents perform slightly under expected is higher. Um, so, as a tendency, you will get more of the underdog bets early on. Okay. Good to know. There we go. Um, yeah, you can... I think a lot of the places now just have those fixed line total doubles. There's some places I think you can actually just put them through as like a multi um, or a same-game multi. Um, so that could be a potential to get those two correlated uh, uh, bets there that uh, the model likes. I think um, from... What I can read here, the Dolphins plus 19 is sort of a green play and the under is, is, an, is an orange play. Yeah, that's right at the moment. Yep. Um, might change if the slides move. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, if a bookie's got same game multi pricing or that fixed um, underdog under price, you might find it's not paying what it should. Um, I did a bit of a look at two or three before this call and um, you could get kind of 3.20 on a fixed under underdog um, compared to kind of a 3.7 on other games um, better odds if you're molding them in properly uh, so yeah it's worth shopping around to see what you can get on that one okay uh, is there any others that uh, outside of that game that the model uh, likes this far out for uh, for week two yes yeah, so the other green play we've got at the moment is the under 53 and a half 54 in the Oakland Kansas City game um, I don't have a ton to say about that one other than it's, yep. um, yeah, selection at the moment. And then Seattle plus four, um, is an orange selection at the moment. Okay. Well, uh, myself and James didn't mind that this week. Um, there is a lot of uncertainty around both those teams given their week one performance. So 
Um, I like the model, just tend to lean towards the underdog there just because you're getting sort of more bang for your buck um, there. Um, and then obviously your long shots got to be the Dolphins, right? Yeah, it has. Um, yeah. I think that's an orange bet at the moment. Um, but yeah, yep. big price, shop around. Does, fair, d- does the model factor in conspiracy theories around the Dolphins potentially winning because Belichick likes losing to his old coordinators to help them uh, build up their resume a little bit? I must say, I don't think that's an well, angle. Well, it, sh- it, it bloody should. It. it bloody should, mate. <laughs> Bill Belichick, uh, a variable in the model. I think yeah. that's what everyone wants Yeah, to exactly. <laughs> um, uh, you need a yeah. conspiracy wing in the model, I'm telling you. Just Yeah, well, I'll suggest it to the data guys here. Yeah, right. Build, build it with foil, just a foil hat. <laughs> um, that's yeah. That's my conspiracy play of the week. Huh? Just feeling it. Um, it's pro- I'm probably going to eat my words next week, but who who cares? You yeah, why not? Uh, when in when in Rome. Um, all right. So that's that sounds good. Um, yeah, I, I like it. Um, Nick, any final thoughts on uh, week two before we uh, finish up? Not not really. I think there's still a lot of questions from from week one still left uh, left unanswered. So it's gonna be really interesting. I think there's been a, a couple of uh, bookie overreactions to to week one performances. It's gonna be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, with a couple of those teams like Miami, like the Cardinals, yep, uh, and, and just see what happens. But uh, really interesting watching uh, in the morning and, and Monday, uh, Sunday, Sunday night, Monday morning. Yep, and Daryl, as we've said every week last season, and as I've said last week, if people want to check the Stats Insider model picks, they can. They just go onto the website statsinsider.com.au and you can monitor them up until game time. And then if you have fixed the live up, um, you can look at it during the game as well. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, the model updates, I think, at 45 minutes past each hour. Yep. Um, predictions usually on the site by 10 to, so you'll find the um, latest predictions at that time. Yeah, exactly. Sunday night's the probably the prime time to log on when you start to know the player ins and outs and things, and, and things adjust uh, that way. So I think that's the, the optimal time. Um, anyway, to, to look at it and, and have a bet. Um, but, you know, sometimes it is good to get in early as well, and we've touched on some of those here on week two on the punt return. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Wootenwire. You can follow the boys at Stats Insider, and you can check out the show um, on iTunes or your local podcast provider. Just search Stats Insider. Um, leave us a review, and uh, we'll be back next week. And until then, happy punting.